following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. And welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the High Low Sports Podcast. We appreciate you all if you're joining us here on this Wednesday evening or if you're checking us out later on in the week on one of your favorite podcast apps. It is NBA Finals Game 3 day as well, too, so we'll be recording live right as the game is going on as well, too. So if you see Kelsey randomly jump up out of his chair, you know somebody probably got dunked on or someone hit a half-court three at some point. But speaking of Kelsey, as DJ joined us always by my co-host, Kelsey. Kelsey, we will talk a little NBA today, but we're also going to talk a little bit of football and a little bit on the mat. We're going to go all over the place today. Yeah, you know, it's a good thing. Uh, I, I don't know if I can do any jumping right now. I just got out of the hospital. I don't know if they're okay with that yet. I don't know if I've been cleared to do any jumping. Uh, barely got cleared to go back to work, so I don't even know if my heart's ready to take on the NBA Finals at this point in time. We'll have to wait and see. But yeah, if I if I if you see me just like pass out during the middle of this, just 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 push me over. It'll be okay. I'll figure it out. But, just, no, it's, it's, it's exciting. It's a lot of sports, and let's not forget uh, NHL Finals going on, or NHL Stanley Cup going on as well. Uh, but you know, honestly, both of us not the biggest hockey fans, so we're not going to talk about that on the show. But it is happening just for everybody else out there. And the Knights, speaking of which, we'll just touch on that really quick. The Knights are looking pretty good, especially off that dominant uh, game two as well, too. So it's I'm not saying it'll be a sweep, but I'm going to put the money on the Knights right now. I mean, Vegas team, home. you know what they say about the uh, the the what what is it, the uh, the house always wins. So like home team in Vegas, hard to hard to hard to not hard to beat them there. Absolutely, definitely a tough one there. But that is, there's a lot to talk about today, so we'll go and get right into it. That'll take us right into the tip off and the tip off. Of course, brought to you by our friends over at SeatGeek. Use code BELLYUPSPORTS for $20 off your first order there. Get some nice tickets to whether it's your favorite game, your favorite team, your favorite concert, whatever you need to go, go wherever you want to go, check out SeatGeek. And speaking of some interesting things going on in the NBA, uh, looks like the point god himself, CP3, might be on the move. Him and, him and his representation speaking with the Suns' ownership about potential trade, potential extension, a potential release him and then resign him, or anything in between as well. So, Right now, when I look at it, it, there are rumors he does want to stay. He, he's close with Devin Booker, wants to get a chance to play with those guys as well, too. Missed the playoff run, obviously, against the Nuggets with that groin injury. But kind of surprising to see. I know he's way up there in age, but kind of surprising to see that, son, that there's a chance he might want to leave on top of it as well, too, depending on what the conversations are like. Yeah, it's, it's wild. Actually, even Chris Haynes coming out and saying that the Suns absolutely plan on waiving a minute, minimal by the by the 20th, June, June 20th deadline there. That's it's wild. Uh, I, I got to say, I mean, like, don't get me wrong. Obviously, you look at it and, like, CP3's kind of bounced around a few teams here since his early days in New, in New Orleans. But it's it's still weird for me to even consider the fact that CP3 is no longer going to be a, a son. It's still, it feels like that was a good fit for him right now, a good fit for the end of his career, kind of that tell-in type of situation. Uh, kind of similar to what we saw with, you know, Jason Kidd for the most part here. He kind of went down to, uh, to, to Phoenix and then winded down his career. Obviously, he ended up on two more teams for the end of his career, but that's just because he didn't know when to say when. Um, and then, you know, still thought he was playing basketball for the Bucks as a head coach, but uh, I digress. Uh, but no, it, it does feel like CP3 might need to take a page out of any other point guards book, not named Jason Kidd and, and learn when is, when is enough. And maybe this is the time to, to kind of step back from it. Maybe. Absolutely. And he, he has all the intangibles, still a great leader, a great dribbler, good, pa- still a great passer, still has enough, a good enough shot for the most part, just, Staying healthy has been such a plague for him, especially the last five years. And when you need him most, that's when it gets worrisome. Remember, Houston up 3-2 against the Warriors. He goes down when he was with Houston. This last year, they needed him against the Nuggets, went down. So I can see from both sides, too, and for him at this point, too, you want to play for a winner, but at the same time, that Suns team is going to be very interesting next year. And then Frank Vogel coming in as the coach, a more defensive-oriented guy, he's going he's gonna to need CP3 to sit in that chair. And I don't know if he can do that at almost 40 years of age right now, the same way they need him to. So... A lot of dynamic going on. That's something we'll definitely keep an eye out for. But if he does hypothetically get moved, do you think there's a really a good fit for him, a better fit, or somewhere you'd like him to see, like him to go? Man, Detroit would love him. And I, I like I say that obviously knowing Detroit's history with famous point guards, especially wearing the number three. Uh, although he didn't wear number three there, I don't believe Chauncey. Don't think no, Chauncey wore. No, he wore one in, in in Detroit. But still, it's I still stand by. I think Detroit would enjoy seeing uh, Chris Paul there. Um, beyond that, uh, you look around, there's not really any team that needs a point heavy type of guard right now. That's, that's that big. Maybe, you know, you have Cole Anthony down in Orlando, maybe take the pressure off Cole Anthony and, and allow him to take over. But then you also have Jalen Suggs who will be fully healthy next year. So 
Do you really take that away from Jalen Suggs? I don't think so. Uh, there's not really, to me, a good landing spot without just being like pushing somebody out. Um, you know, uh, like there's too many guards in, in Charlotte for that to be the case. There's too many, you know, Jalen Brunson is a fantastic guard up in, in New York, so that's not going to happen. Brooklyn obviously has everything taken care of. Uh, you know, maybe Boston? Uh, like, that sounds silly to say considering all of his words about Boston in his career. Uh, but there, I mean, ironically, back in L.A. Uh, with the Clippers. Um, but there's not really – I think outside of Detroit, there's not a perfect landing spot. I think Detroit might actually be the perfect spot for him, though. Not to mention to just piggyback off that, he'll be back with his boy Monty Williams there as well, too. So you'll get so you'll get to rejoin forces there. So that could be a good one as well. Maybe somewhere like the Bucks, he could be like a combo guard with Drew Holiday, kick Milton down to the small four, but even that's a rough one. Depending on what happens with James Harden, you pair him with Tyrese Maxey. It's where all he has to do is throw lobs to Embiid and tell Embiid to get on the block, not shooting mid-range shots like a two-guard who's seven foot two, 300 pounds. But I think there's, it, like you mentioned, at this point, it's going to be a little difficult to find the right spot for him. So it's, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you're done, which is crazy when we think about Chris Paul as well, too, because he's been one of the best players of, our lifetime really so it's yeah we'll definitely keep an eye on that there is a lot to uh, keep an eye out for when it comes to where chris paul's next landing spot is so we'll definitely be keeping an eye on that for sure but speaking of the nba finals as well too that's where we're going to go and pivot to next is it is now tied up one to one after the heat stole one in game two against denver as well and game three about the about the tip off here within 30 minutes so we won't get too deep too deep into the woods because well we'll be out we might be end up being outdated but Thoughts to you after these two games apiece, heads to Miami 1-1. What are your initial thoughts from those first couple of games? It's kind of backwards from how I thought it would end up, but <laughs> it still worked out the same way I thought it would be at this point in time. I thought we'd still see a 1-1 series after two games. I did say they would, that the Heat would take game one. I was wrong. The Heat did not take game one. They took game two. However, you take that poor shooting performance in game one from anybody, and Jimmy only getting 13 points, 14 points, 13 points, 14 points, any one of those two. Yeah. that's, And you still only lose by less than 15 points here you're feeling pretty good going into game two and that's exactly what you saw with the heat like they felt pretty good going into game two and they did exactly what i talked about in the nba show for belly up which is just let Jokic do Jokic things but cut off everything else cut off the rest of the arms of the octopus let the head try to exist by itself because that's kind of what it is that's kind of how the nuggets work they're they're a giant octopus led by the head that is Jokic. if you cut all the arms off an octopus can't move that's just the the fact of the matter it can still eat but he can't move. So um, very deep cut there for, for that reference. But uh, yeah, it's, you know, it is, it's, I, I, I like what I saw from the heat. I've liked what I've seen from the nuggets, obviously, but it is going to be interesting to see who can make that first adjustment to. And now you've seen two games. Now, can you make the next adjustment? Like who can make the next adjustment to be successful? Because if you believe Mike Malone is going to do the exact same thing he's been doing all season after seeing that performance in game two, you're wrong. Mike Malone's going to come out in game three, and he's, there's going to be some kind of a, a, a adjustment. And you better believe Spolster's already got these seven adjustments he's wanted to put in and get going into game three today, uh, getting ready for this. So you know for sure that they're, they're, they're going to be – it's a it's an adjustment matchup, and it's whoever can make the right adjustment. Not necessarily the best adjustment, but the right adjustment for this game. The right one at the right time is all they're looking for. And- Piggybacking off that too, they kind of treat him how they used to treat LeBron in some of those earlier days as well. Too, it's like, all right, if you're going to score forty, it's going to happen regardless. But we'll be damned if you're going to get ten assists to go with it. We will not let that happen. And I like that they started. They not only actually played Kevin Love, but they started him in place of Caleb Martin. They gave Caleb Martin a chance to come off the bench, kind of find a groove that way. And you just had you had a bigger body that you could just throw in front of Jokic. Kevin Love, not known for his defense by any means whatsoever, minus one play against Steph Curry in 2016 of the finals. But other than that, you just Put a big body, get him in front of Jokic, and most importantly, get those rebounds, get box out. They're a much smaller team than the Nuggets. you got to find a way to control those boards. And Kevin Love can pass, hit the threes, do all those things you need to. So I liked inserting him in the lineup. Not a Jokic stopper, and nobody is, and I think they kind of contended with that. They're like, you know what? We're going we're gonna to make him a little uncomfortable. He's going to score 40, and he's going to try and get the assist, but they're just not going to be there. Our rotation's going to be on point. So something that we kind of talked about the Lakers should do, we kept preaching them to do that, but they never did. They kept bringing the double team, and he kept kicking it out for shooters. Miami seems to have taken the approach of, you know what, we'll hope we can – he might beat us by himself, but it's going to be a little bit harder than it was when him and Jamal Murray are each getting you 25 and 10 or something – or 35 and 10. So a very good adjustment. We'll see how it works here in game three coming up. So the one other thing I do want to touch on with the NBA Finals before we move forward, the minus Jokic, we take him out of the equation, 
that finals MVP race is a complete mess. There is nobody else who's standing out. It's Jokic with his freakish stats. Jamal Murray with a good game one, pretty good game two. He's averaging, I think, like, I think right now it's about 20 and 10, so it's still a pretty good series. Jimmy Butler, a pretty good game two down the stretch, but game one a little shaky. We saw Bam. He's had a pretty good series 20s in both of them as well, too. A lot more shots. Gabe Vincent's been pretty balanced at about 20 points, but Michael Porter Jr. up game one, down game two. Everybody's up and down, up and down right now for finals MVP. At this point, let's hypothetically say the Heat win the series. Do you think there's a chance if it continues with this trend, we see Jokic on the losing team get the finals MVP if he averages like 45 and eight or something ridiculous like that with 12 boards? Oh, man, I've thought about this since <laughs> pretty much this this has been thing. Wasn't it Moses Malone the last, the only player to ever be on the losing side of the uh, finals and win the MVP? Three times, I think. Jerry West, obviously the first one, and I think there was one or two other ones way back in the day, if I'm not mistaken, but nothing, nothing within recent memory that I'm going to be able to pull out of a hat. Think about that. Jerry West, the all-time great Jerry West, an all-time famous player in the game, Jerry the West, the logo. Uh, and, and you just sit there and think about that. Can Jokic be in that company of that type of level of greatness? And I absolutely think he could, but I do also wonder how much is going to be empty calorie stats because if if he is on the losing, I'm saying if he's on the losing end, empty calorie. So I'm wondering how many, time, how many times he's going to have to score 50 in a game or, or he scores, you know, 30 during the actual re- regulation part of the game, but then maybe a couple of these games get out of hand and he ends up and scoring 50 in the game. But like, it doesn't matter because the team scored 80. Like, you know, I wonder if that's the situation like, yeah, you had a good performance, but was it like MVP leading? Whereas on the other side, you would have had a whole plethora of things. And I think after seeing Iguodala get a, uh, a MVP in the finals for what seven plays, Potentially for holding LeBron to 33, 10 and eight because he held him yeah. to that. You got a finals MVP. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, after seeing that, I don't think there's a possibility they give the MVP to a losing team just because I think the van, the fan vote still applies. Um, but I would say if I, if it was the old voting system, yes, I do think there's an absolute opportunity that you could see Jokic. I could even say this on the flip side. If you if we're on the, if the heat lose, and Jimmy has a fantastic series. I could say Jimmy could also be in the case for it as a losing player, but uh, I do think this is the one finals we have that we could potentially see. If it's ever going to happen, it might be this one. But I just I don't I don't think it's going to happen with the actual voting methods. Exactly, and it's it's more of a testament to how good the Heat are as a well-rounded unit, where there is nobody that there's a chance it could be almost like those 2014 Spurs, where Kawhi Leonard got it averaging 17 points a game because everybody ate so much you couldn't give it to anybody, or maybe it's 20. Yeah, it's like. Uh, you had the the most average consistency of all the players. All right, you get the trophy. Like, congratulations. You held LeBron to 59% from the field. You can have it because you chased him around a lot. Like, it's it's kind of crazy when you think about how that goes. So I agree with you. I don't think it will happen, but it's going to happen. If Jokic has, like, what he did in game two and does that the rest of the way, but unfortunately the Heat yeah. end up winning. For him, unfortunately, the Heat end up winning, then it gets really interesting. So we'll definitely keep an eye on that. But I kind of agree with you. I'll be hard-pressed to see them give it to a losing player. Plus, because the losing player doesn't want that. He's in back. What? Yeah, and I was going to say, he, he's, like, you know, guaranteed he's throwing that trophy as soon as he's given it. It's like it's going to be thrown out somewhere, like in the middle of the stand somewhere. But, it would be fitting yeah, considering the Heat, their entire playoff run had been betted against most of the way. So it would be pretty fitting as well, too. Like I remember before the Celtics series, ESPN gave them a, it was a 97% chance for the Celtics to win, 3% for the Heat or whatever it was through like three games. It was something we did. So it would be on par for the course of how this postseason's gone for them. But. Could you could you imagine the Mike Malone storyline though? Like the the amount of things Mike Malone would say after that series, if as a losing team they still had the best player, he could come up with whatever storyline at that point in time, and everybody just be kind of like, "Shut up, Mike! You have the MVP from the series. You just couldn't win. It wasn't a good enough job from you coaching, but you have the MVP from the series." Knowing him, he'd find a way to talk about the Lakers again, because that's what he's been yeah. up to pretty much since that series. But anyway, there's a lot to keep out for. We definitely look forward to catching up with get with Game 3 of the NBA Finals and the rest of the series as well. But that's going to do it for the tip-off, and that's going to take us now and do the second favorite part of every show. That is the main event. And for the main event, we're going to go and step off the hardwood, and we're going to go to the gridiron. And yes, I'm talk- we're talking a little bit of football here in June, because there's quite a bit coming in this offseason. It's it's coming in hot right now as well, too, from the slot, from the slot machines to the streets to the video games and a little bit of everything in between. And you know, we're going to probably, I think we should start with the big one here as well, too. And we're going to look at Isaiah Rogers right now as well, too. Involved in a sports betting situation as well, where not only is he betting on sports, he's do- 
he tried to work the system allegedly by like using a phone not registered him and all that. But there's also rumors that he bet on Colts games that he participated in as well, too. That's still there's still a lot of investigating to be done, but it is based on his Twitter post online, his what he posted as well as everything we've seen. Looks like he's the guy who got busted for sports betting. And it we both know he's gonna get suspended. We won't even like sure we both we'll get to that in a little bit. But what's your initial reaction when you look at this, like another guy busted for sports betting. That's like seven this offseason now in county. Yeah, uh, I do believe it's seven this offseason, um, exactly. And yeah, I, 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 you know, so there's so many caveats to the rule. Like for Jameson Williams, for example, it's come out that he bet on a college football game in another state that he was not staying at a team hotel in. Because it wasn't at a team hotel, it was considered illegal. So it's like, how many players do you think actually know that rule in the NFL? There's nearly, what, 500 of them every season? So, give or take seven total? Hmm. <laughs> like, like, and those would be the probably the guys in the NFLPA rules committee? Like, I don't... There's so few amount of people that would know something like that. But whereas, like, you know, Isaiah Rogers, if it's to be believed that he bet on games that he was actually involved in, you gotta know, dude. Like, you got to know at the end of the day that that's not a smart idea. Um, I don't know, man. It's just it's it's weird to me that that it would be the case. I'm hoping maybe somebody got a hold of his phone and they did it. They did the betting from his phone. That's the case. I don't. I like. They've they've rumored like fifty to one hundred different bets, so that'd be a lot of action. Yeah, this is this is a situation where like you know you have the Pete Rose thing, obviously, where he never actually bet on a game he played in. You have the old Black Sox, um, which is the Red Sox or the White Sox team that actually did bet on games they were involved in, including potentially shaving points, and you you see how they're remembered as the Black Sox now. Uh, Pete Rose, who never bet on his own game, however, was actually never even bet on baseball. Was literally bet on every other sport, but completely banned from MLB Hall of Fame because of that. Like, how bad will Isaiah Rogers be penalized in this? And that's that's what what worries me when I first hear that. Is like, you bet on your own games? Oh, you're done. Like, done, done. And I don't mean like a little bit done, like done for a season. I mean done. Like sports done, a football career done. Shane Falco on a boat type of done. I'll say if he's, especially if he bet on like the Colts to lose or something like that. And then you look at some of the plays, like was those potentially shaving points, that sort of thing. Obviously that was a bad team. They weren't winning a lot of games. So it would not be smart to bet on the win the win in the first place. But there's a lot of things to look at in that, that are it's, if he did something like that, he's done, done. Let's say there's like, he bet on the Colts to win, I guess, I guess that, I don't know how they punch. It's obviously in that case, it might be like, he's still getting a year or two years. It just depends on, yeah. the I guess, but like if he bet in negative ways against his own team, he's, Shane Falco anything, anything to do with special teams or defensive scores or defensive giving up points or whatever oh, anything right. to do with the, the the defense or the special teams I think that's bad that's like the ultimate oh no but if it's just on like offensive scoring players like Mo Ali Cox you know uh you, any one of oh, the offensive players yards or something like that yeah yeah, yeah, maybe- yeah any one of those offensive parlay type of type of bets then I'm okay with it a little bit more like I'm like, okay, well, at least you didn't bet on your side, like things that you could actually be directly involved in. Again, I don't want to say I'm I'm okay with it more. I'm still like, dude, you should have known better. But like 5% of me is like, oh, well, okay. (laughs) I kind of like whatever. But, you know, the other part, like, no, you still 95% of me is still like, dude, come on. This should have never been an issue. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And on top of that too, the points for anything like that, no matter what it was wrong. I mean, A, you know the rule. I know the rules are a little bit shaky, but you're betting on NFL. That's already a no-go in the first place. Yeah. B, they can pinpoint you. Every sports betting app points you out on a giant map dot to make sure you're legal. Like, you're not tricking and anybody. Like, You have to provide your legal information for the tax purposes. They exactly. literally provide you with a tax document, people. Come on. Like, and then that does beg the question. If he did try to sneak the rules and try to use somebody else's phone, who ratted on him? Like... <laughs> How do you, why did you rat or like how much money did he lose for you to rat on him like that? And on top of that, it's like, you're willing to risk your career where you're set to make millions. You're a 25 year old corner is going to get paid coming up soon too. You're, you must've been putting some wild parlays and hoping for some big payoffs because well, you're not getting, you're not getting any money now. So hopefully you were winning some of that money because you're going to have to keep doing it now. You're going to have more time to do it, but it's a real disappointing situation. And I agree with you touching back on the rules thing. The rules are really stupid. It should be very simple. It's either, don't bet on NFL games. Everything else, all right, we have leeway. B, 
be don't bet period just say they can't yeah. bet period it's a little it sucks but like it's, we're components of sports betting both avid for better and for worse but you got to make these clear and cut rules you can't leave this weird gray area like at the facility at the hotel like this it has to be very clear cut dry i also say by partnering with betting apps the nfl has done this to themselves mm-hmm. because they've opened the door the, the and it's not a it's not a front door they've opened a side or back door or back window to these same apps making deals with the athletes in the NFL in the off season to promote baseball, to promote basketball, to promote soccer, to promote those type of uh, special parlay bets, you know? And it, it then like where it gets so great over in the line that then your players are in the, it, like in the off season, they'll be at OTAs making bets from a facility. And that's obviously not legal as we found out with the Jamison Williams thing. So it's like, there's a fine line there that, that the NFL really, I believe cross here by partnering with these, these betting apps. And don't get me wrong. I I'm again, all for all for smart betting, but don't go and go crazy on this. But like, I think, I think you kind of set this one up for your own players to be, to be damned, if you will. Uh, like there's no win situation for some of your players, unless they just don't bet at all. And then they don't get the benefits of some of these other guys who get these advertisement deals. So it's like, and these are lucrative. Like, let's not, not kid ourselves. These are lucrative advertising deals from a lot of betting companies. They are really much pushing this their apps very heavily. Like, this is a lot of money be, to be to be paid to athletes. Some of these guys will be make more money from one advertisement with bet, with one of these betting apps than they would from a whole season of playing potentially. So, Absolutely. yeah, it's a tough it's a tough situation to think about. Like all, all around, it's just you just kind of hope that right here is is not a situation where he just was just like, oh, I'm going to bet on my own team type of thing. Like that, You just hope that's... Exactly. I think the, if I was to make the rules, obviously, and I'm not the expert, I don't know everything that goes into it. I feel like the simple cut and dry way to do it would be you. they can pinpoint where you're doing it. People are still going to probably try and break the rules and they're going to get the hammer thrown at them. But to eliminate this the weirdness, like I, in this case, Isaiah Rogers is still getting got. Like there's, yeah. get him, if you bet on the Colts, especially to lose or something he could directly impact, he's, his career is done. If you bet on the Colts to win or maybe something like that, or bet on like JT over 10 carries because you knew that even then sketchy because you know the game plan. Like it's sketchy, but it's a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it's, it's, it is a little like, sketchy in, in those situations. Like maybe you go with like a three year ban there or something. I don't know. If it's, if he didn't have anything to do with the Colts, then maybe you give him the Calvin Ridley treatment or maybe you give him two years to lay down a thicker hammer. But what I think they should do with the sports betting rule is NFL players cannot bet on NFL games and they can't bet on college football games because you don't know what ties they might have back there, that sort of thing, too. Everything else, fair game. They'll pinpoint you, all that sort of thing. If you break that rule, you get caught. You get got. And whatever I mean, you need, whatever at that point, too. But I feel like that's the only way you can, with everything you mentioned before, how they keep setting it up. At this point, it feels like that's the closest thing we're going to get to a middle ground without being ridiculous. And let's not, well, I mean, the NFL has enough power. They could literally tell DraftKings or whatever company it is to be like, hey, our players are exclusively going to go through you. I need you to shut off all possible bets for the team they play for and any of the league that they play in. And their college that they're from. If that's that simple, like you literally just have a blockade on each. Like so, Jamison Williams, he can't bet on Ohio State, can't bet on Alabama, can't bet on the NFL. That like that easy. Like okay, done. Some of some <laughs> of these guys that transferred a lot are gonna have a whole lot of a lot of yeah. yeah. Will Levis will have a have a nice long list there. Yeah, some of those guys like Sean Clifford and even yeah, there's gonna be a long list for a few of those guys. <laughs> yeah. So, but no, I I do think there's there's gotta be a way around. There's gotta be a way to figure it out. Make it yeah. easy. Keep it simple, stupid. It, it's there's there's a way to do it. And you know, it's a learning experience. In this case, for Isaiah Rogers, it's not so much a learning experience. This was a dumb decision. You direct even if sports betting was completely legal, you don't bet on your you don't bet on your own team that you're participating yeah. in. Even yeah. if they said you can bet on NFL games, the rule would always be don't bet on your own team. Like that's that part's it feels like doy, no duh. It have somebody else you know do the bet for you. Tell them, hey, JT's getting the ball this week. Bet his hundred yard over. Like tell somebody else to do that for you. Don't do it yourself. They pin you on your phone there is a there's a sports book in your stadium like if they're tracking you they're gonna see that you're 10 feet away and be like well gee i wonder what's going on here and what do you know it's registered to an i rogers gee i wonder who that is like just a doy moment just so much doy to it but we can go on and on about this all day we won't go too much on but zay rogers depending on what comes out with the betting investigation could be done could be got could be done for a while we'll wait we'll wait and see what comes out of that as well we're going to kind of pivot to a little more harder spot here. And Greg Newsom, Perion Winfrey, and I believe Demetric Felton and possibly some other Browns robbed at gunpoint all in a very short amount of time, just the last few days as well. Look, cars, jewelry, things like that being taken. 
rumors are it might have been even targeted, like people were actually looking for them, that sort of thing as well. And talk about a scary situation if you're Greg Newsom and those guys. Too. These are young kids that we talk about too. That's kind of that's a little concerning to see that NFL players are being targeted. And if I'm the Browns, there's only one logical explanation here or one logical solution. Marvin Harrison Jr. is in the state of Ohio. So you go get Marvin Harrison Sr. and make him your head of security because we know damn well nothing's getting through him. There, we Based on his past transgressions, uh, we, we know no one's messing with him if he has a baseball bat. But in all seriousness, this is a little worrisome, not, no pun intended, to see what's going on with, with the Browns players being targeted. And frankly, I'm kind of worried if it's going to continue or what's next or if these were just guys in a bad situation. I, I don't know what to make of this, but it is a little worrisome. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the story goes that they were leaving a leaving a was a club at three a.m. three thirty. Nothing good um, happened. The two team, yeah, I mean <laughs> three thirty a.m. on a Monday, so Sunday going into Monday night, and six masked men, six of them, proceeded to rob them at gunpoint. Uh, they got all the jewelry they were wearing, plus the truck for or plus Greg Newsom's truck, and then on top of that, they got what Demetric Felton's car uh, at four fifty on Sunday morning, so twenty four hours before. Greg Newsom's car was taken, and that just makes the the second time. There's a third incident that Deshaun Watson's car was stolen out of a parking lot in New North Olmstead earlier this year. So there has been multiple incidences now where multiple Browns players have had things taken. And look, Cleveland is is a great place at times, but then at other times you got to know where you live. It's not just called the mistake on Lake for re, for no reason. It is a serious thing that there are some people up here that just don't know when to say no um and they will take a gun to you and it's just how it is um be smart about it but yeah if your players like this one kind of goes a little bit back to the betting for me i i like yes you should be able to do things that normal 20 year olds are able to do but you also have to realize you're a multi-million dollar athlete who has been seen on the big screen of multiple different athletic events in the cleveland area your face is literally in like a 700 by 60 uh, foot banner that's strung across you know cleveland like you are a public figure in a yeah. large part especially in the area you live in and there's work. only there's only so many clubs that stay open that late at night mm-hmm. so the the limit and, and the, let's be fair the, the number of clubs that actual players actually attend here in cleveland are even lower so you have a very good chance of being recognized you have a very good chance of being spotted and if this is a case where it has been pinpointed which if i had to guess i'd say probably the situation it doesn't happen three times like fool me once shame on me fool me twice shame on you like fool me a third time though what is that that is a that's 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 a setup um so you know hopefully most players start to you know stick together they don't stay out that late they don't do things like that maybe they go to pittsburgh to have their nights out i mean yeah. maybe go to detroit uh take your pick yeah. but any like you can't do it here um you can't do it in cleveland that's just not a smart place to do it and and, and especially when it's so limited the situation you got to be a little smarter than that no you know your role type of and i don't mean that in the mean way i mean like your role as a public figure your role as a multi-million dollar athlete you're gonna be spotted people are gonna take one snapshot of you and it's gonna pop up on that snapchat filter that we all know and we all hate it that little map thing the little heat map and it's gonna pop up that you were there you'll guess what guess who's gonna be called somebody somebody and that unfortunately that person had a gun this time um you know you hope it's not a situation that continues to occur but at the same time Let's be on the safe side here, guys, and maybe let's avoid any of these situations. And I'm not putting, I'm not condemning any of the actions of the players. They all did the right thing by not fighting what was happening, by just letting it happen. That's the safest thing you can do in those situations. Uh, I'm glad everybody got out uninjured. But, you know, at the same time, maybe just don't go out that late. Maybe leave at noon, midnight. Like when everybody else leaves the club at midnight, leave the club at midnight. Don't leave at 3.30. You can get like public security, or I don't know if they had it, and, and if you can get a driver or something. Like it's obviously well, hindsight. So the NFL, well, the NFL, okay, so the NFL does offer uh, rides home for players. Yeah. At, don't know during, if that make a difference at all, time, at all times. What's the driver going to yeah. do? But like at the same time, yeah, yeah. I mean, they wouldn't have their truck at least, so they, oh, that wouldn't be stolen. But then, would it have been stolen at their house? You don't know. Exactly. Like there's a lot to be wor- worried, and hopefully, it's not something that continues to go as well too. But we're gonna now pivot to a little. We're gonna go to a little bit more upbeat football story with some questions and some rumor mills. We're gonna go to DeAndre Hopkins, uh, out and about right now, been released by the Cardinals, out there for a little bit of time, having a meeting with the Titans today, which is kind of interesting. He's looking for a contender, a team with a great quarterback, and a chance to get paid. Titans can't really give you any of those three things, so that's kind of interesting there. And 
The first thought is, what do you think about him going to the Titans? And two, where do you think we see a, where can be the next landing spot for D-Hop? I laughed when I saw the whole report about him going for the uh, the meeting with the Titans. Um, <laughs> way too hard. Because it's just, like, you want a good quarterback. You want to have a chance at the playoffs. But but you went to visit the Titans. What's They don't know who their quarterback <laughs> is, my guy. They literally might be releasing a guy they drafted last year. Um, I mean, I guess they know Tannehill is going to be the quarterback, but is Tannehill a really good quarterback? A lot. Let's just let's ruminate on that one for a moment. Uh, but yeah, no. If you're D Hop, I, I don't I don't like the Titans being your fit. Um, so no, I, I don't like the meeting with the Titans. But you know what? So be it. Uh, sure. Hmm. Anyways, uh, where I actually see him falling, obviously, we talked a lot about these big market teams. You know, the big you have the Bills, you have the Chiefs, you have you know all these big names. Uh, there's a couple places that actually have, have, have popped up on, uh, in my mind lately that I think would be sneaky good places, and I'm not going to go with the obvious ones. I'm going to say New England would be a sneaky good place for him to land. Obviously, they need a wide receiver in that room, a veteran wide receiver in that room that can you know really show the young kids how to do it, especially when you have a guy like Boutte in there who has all the talent in the world, but off-field issues, you get D-Hop in there who really, in, in his career, you can honestly say has not had any D- any major off-field issues has been a fantastic clubhouse guy for his team. So you look at that, maybe that might be a perfect fit for Bill Belichick and that offense. Um, I also say as, as silly as it sounds, considering they just lost a quarterback and, but the, but that division is so wide open. I honestly say going to green Bay, this is a possibility as well. They do have money. They do need a, you know, big name receiver for Jordan love young kid has, if you like to believe the talent of uh, or, uh, the words of Romeo Dobbs, he has all the same arm talent as Aaron Rodgers. So we'll have to, I don't know about that, but um, that's a possibility there. I'd also say staying in that division, really the Bears might are still kind of a favorite for me. I do love the Bears option, just considering you have a young, talented quarterback. You probably have one of the better setups just to slide D-hop in and see what happens. Then you have D-hop and DJ Moore. That could be, I mean, I've used that duo on, on Madden before, and I can tell you it is a fantastic duo. Absolutely as well too. And you know what? I have a few other ones as well for me. The obvious one would be the Ravens. Just, I know they're one of the big ones just because Houston Texans, that's a weirdly interesting fit as well too. CJ Stroud. And then that's we, a, we that's need a quality quarterback there first. Touche. Well, we'll, we'll see what CJ Stroud or Davis Mills, depending <laughs> on who starts. We'll see how that one plays out, but the Ravens are a good one for me. I think we still got to see about Odell's health. We got to see how he bounces back, how healthy is Rashad Bateman. Kind of the same thing. How healthy is he? Zay flowers, I think is an incredible rookie, but he's still a rookie. Getting Diop is that big, clear outside threat. Just basically give Lamar every weapon he's ever wanted. Make up, make up for lost time. You're paying him back with interest at this point. I think that's a good one. Some sneaky, fun ones as well, too. Just to reports are he has actually been taking over and dominating right now. So I, I believe that. I think I believe it. week two at the latest is when I think we see CJ Stroud starting. I think by week two, he'll be the start. I think it's going to be pretty quick. He's going to take over. But anyway, before we go off on a random tangent here, because we can go on all day. I do think an underrated one for me, which I think could be a weirdly good fit, is maybe the Rams. You already have Cooper Cup, mm. so that's going to take some of this steam off of you. You have Sean McVay, a very player-friendly coach. You know you're going to get a lot of options in that offense. We're assuming Matthew Stafford, when he can stay healthy, is now is a very, very good quarterback. So let's say he can uh, stay healthy. Maybe something like that as well, too. That could be a good one. You factor in them getting the run game going, things like that. So we're going to throw that as an option. I do think... There's rumors with the Browns. I we'll see how that one plays out. I think their receiving room is pretty good right now. We'll have to wait and see. But there's a lot of really interesting options there. The other one I kind of want to throw out there, and it, it doesn't really fit what he's looking for. But I don't hate the Panthers either. Give him a chance to go with Bryce Young, that young quarterback. Frank Reich, a really good coach. A terrible division, so you could very easily flip around and be a playoff team with them. You get that big number one outside receiver. Does he want that? We'll see. It sounds like it's the contenders he's looking for. Maybe he wants to go with the Chargers, the Bills, someone like that. So he's not able to get those maybe pivots and takes a high upside reward thing. But for me, the best fit is Baltimore. All the weapons you could want for somebody goes down, which injuries have plagued Baltimore so badly the last two years. Uh, Odell. Odell, Rashad Bateman, Zay Flowers is a rookie. We got to see if Mark Andrews goes down. That's your number one target still. Like this just gives you a plethora of options and it probably will help Lamar a little bit because he'll be able to just like one, two, three balls gone. Like he doesn't have to yeah. one, two, three, make a play as often. So I think it'll just, or you'll see one-on-one with D hop and be like, you know what? Catch snap. Look at the safety backside shoulder, back shoulder fake. D hop may not be able to outrun anybody like he used to, but you put the ball in his vicinity. Those baseball mitts for hands are still going to come down with it. And a 
one-on-one get good body positioning sort of way. And Lamar can still throw a good back shoulder ball. So that's still my best fit, even though it's a more obvious one. But I do think there are some other interesting good places. And I really do well, like I do like New England as well. I will say, I mean, yeah, while Baltimore might be considered obvious, a lot of people are going to overlook it because of the Odell signing, uh, because they still have Rashad Bateman as well. But I also want to point out that would be the first time in his career he's had a big body outside receiver who is actually a quality big body outside receiver, not a young guy, not a project type of guy. That would be the first time in his career he actually had a quality outside receiver to throw to. And that'd be interesting to see because that's one one of his best talents of throwing to Mark Andrews when Mark Andrews is out wide is because Mark, Mark Andrews has that big body. We'll see what he can do with D-hop in that situation. Like those size 12 mitts are, are, are no joke. I mean, he literally can can bring down a lot of things. He, you're right. He won't run, outrun anybody, but that would be very interesting. I do want to point out, we neither one of us said the Chiefs. Uh, do we Do we think that's just a, maybe a pipe dream for Chiefs fans because they have so much already, like it doesn't make sense financially for them? Or do you think that there's actually some slim, simmer, sliver of possibility that he ends up in, in Kansas City? For me, it's a weird combination of two obvious because it feels like they have a hole at receiver. But at the same time, they got a lot of young guys too that they probably want to get snaps for that they like. I mean, Sky Moore... Limited action last year between injuries and other things, but still had his moments. Kadarius Tony when he was on the field, very good. Justin Ross, who, by the way, fancy football guys, grab Justin Ross. Just throwing that out there as well, too. They also, little did I know, they added John Ross, too. So they have both of those guys yeah. there. So I think they have a weirdly good receiving core, considering their number one target is still number 87. And because of the tight end position, he just owns that middle of the field so effectively. It's going to give those outside guys more space to work in when you have Patrick Mahomes. That's sometimes all you need. It's like Tom Brady with Gronkowski. Those other receivers, whether it's Julian Edelman, Danny Amendola, you had a lot more wiggle room, even when there's Brandon Cooks. So I think it's very obvious, but at the same time, the cap space, as well as I don't think that's really what they're looking for. Right now. Maybe if somehow D-Hop was still there week three and the Chiefs are somehow one and two or something, like somehow the young guys just aren't getting it done or whatever, then maybe. But as of right now, I, I think the Chiefs are feeling cool. You're coming off a Super Bowl where you started six rookies and you have all these young players. So I think they're yeah. they're probably just chilling like, you know what? How much does it really help us? So I like it, but at the same time, I get why not. Yeah, I definitely feel along the same lines. I feel like it just doesn't make sense for them. Like it doesn't like this point in time. Now, I do think as it gets closer to like the uh, the actual start of like fall practicing, I do think once it gets to fall camp, that that might be the situation where if they can get them for a steal, maybe five to eight million dollars for a year, just some like just some ridiculous steal. It's like. Okay, yeah, we'll take D Hop on our already overpowered offense. Like, thank you. Come again. Nice. Bye. Like, I, I, I honestly don't know what else to say with that. It's just like, yes, they would happily take him in that situation, but I think that's the, literally the only time they're gonna like actually try to break the bank and sign D Hop. Absolutely, Jacksonville could be another fun one just to give Trevor Lawrence all those weapons in a terrible division. But the one, one a lot of people are held up on are the Bills and the Bills. I don't like quite as much. You have Stephon Diggs and Gabe Davis. You brought in Dalton Kincaid to go with Dawson Knox. I feel like that one, two, the 12 personnel is what they should be looking at more this year. It'll help with Josh Allen's red zone issues with throwing the ball in a harm's way too much. It'll help with your running game, not just Josh Allen taking off and being Josh Allen. I think it will be bringing Diop's going to, you're going to go spread a lot more often. I think what they need is a slot receiver, like what they had with a Cole Beasley or when they had Isaiah McKenzie, just something like that for when they do go to that personnel, they don't split out Knox or something like that. So, I want to see them go the opposite of throwing in receivers. I want them to throw in the big guys, the tight ends, the linemen, things like that. That'll help the Bills. Not because receivers, they're just going to basically stay right here. Receivers, it's going to make you better, I guess. So maybe you get like a little, like a little, but like bringing in linemen into the Dalton Kincaid, it's going, it's solving your issues. Where I made the joke on the corner booth last week, throwing D hop on the Bills is like killing a spider with a Range Rover. Like, sure, it'll still get the job done, but it's a little bit overkill and unnecessary at that point. So it works, but I don't know. But there's a reason I mentioned the Bills, because that's going to transition us into our next one very ever so not smoothly since I brought it up. We're looking at the Madden 24 cover. Officially, it looks like it is going to be Superman Josh Allen himself, one of the top five quarterbacks in the game, gracing the cover, which the Madden curse was a thing for about 10 to 15 years, but it's kind of been shattered the last few years, minus Antonio Brown and the fact that just that fiasco that went on there as well, too. But and now I will say the next season after Antonio Brown was on the cover, he did not have a bad season. It was just after that. Because the next season is when he went to the Raiders and then the Patriots. Like he had that back. Was it, I thought it was the year after. It might. It might have been. It was. 
It might have been either way. My point is like it after that when it went downhill, and the fact that it had frostbite was who made the game and the thing with his feet, like that just makes it even more perfect. But yeah, anyway, either way. But between Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, and some of those guys, they've recently kind of debunked a little bit of the Madden curse, just at least to a little bit. Even Lamar coming off the MVP season did not have a bad next season either. So at this point, do you like Josh Allen on the cover? Do you hate it? Do you think it's a good move? What are we thinking with Josh Allen on the cover? I hate it, but for none of the reasons that everybody else hates it. I hate it because this man continues to win in the offseason. First of all, he's uh, supposedly dating Haley Steinfeld, which shout out to him. Uh, But now he gets the Madden cover and doesn't have to worry about the cover curse. The the best of both worlds here. Um, Like you get the cover, you get you don't have to worry about the cover curse. And you might potentially sign D-Hop, you know, just to top everything all off. And uh, by the way, you were covering corners in practice and you actually didn't look bad at it or covering receivers in practice and you didn't look terrible at it. I don't get that either uh so no yeah josh allen continues to win in the offseason and it, that's why i hate it but i actually know as far as a madden cover goes i actually don't mind i think it's i think it's fine it makes sense um i think you know do you want to see patty on there for what fourth time already third time fourth already fourth, yeah because he had one by himself and then one with him and tom so i think this would be third it wouldn't i agree with like, it's I, can't do that is that overkill <laughs> can, can can that be a thing yes. maybe unless now if you would have taken a different route and gone travis kelsey or alternatively, the whole Kelsey family, Travis, Jason, and me, that would well, be great. Hold on, let me retract that clap I gave you a little bit earlier. I might have went too fast. So I thought you were gonna say Donna Kelsey on there as well, but well, Donna can be the can be the major kind of holding us together. All three of you like shove those two the hands, and you just dangling by like the unwanted stepchild. I'll just be holding. I'll be holding onto the shoelaces of both mm-hmm. of them. Like, it, yeah, no, but no, I do think that would have been kind of cool to have the Kelsey brothers plus his mom. Because that was such a big storyline last year, and I think that's what Madden kind of tends to do, is stick with the storylines from last season. But uh, Josh Allen obviously being a big storyline, and that's nothing against that. But I don't hate it. For a single player, I I think it's fine. I mean, to be honest, at this point, I don't really care who's on the cover anymore. I'm just like, oh, that's that's cool for you guys. Hopefully you don't break your leg like Vic. Hopefully your game doesn't stink, too. And it makes (laughs) sense, too. I mean, like if we wanted to beat – and I, if I'm not mistaken, the players have to okay be on the cover as well, too. Like, their likeness is already sold in, but I think there is, like, an agreement to be on the cover. So, he probably yeah. they asked him, he said, cool. The other options, Jalen Hurts, obviously, would have been a good choice as well. Trevor Lawrence. Like, there are other good options, but I have no problems with this either. It's kind of cool. Good for him. Well, well now, hold on now. So, the the rumor is, and I, and there is the reason, because I'm glad you brought up Jalen Hurts before we go any further. The rumor is that on on the NCAA cover will potentially be either Trevor Lawrence or Jalen Hurts. So, I don't like that considering Caleb Williams is sitting right there for you, an actual NCAA player, and you can't. Yeah, I mean, if they're gonna, if you're, if you're gonna pay the players already, like for the for the game, might as well put a, put a college athlete. But like, kind of continuing their trend of using players after they get out of the college game. Yeah, yeah. Well, by the that's, time that's, that's why the be after Caleb Williams is drafted, technically, because it's coming out next year. So, twenty twenty four. Yeah, like it. Oh Caleb yeah, Williams yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Yeah, it would be after the season. Yeah. But either way, like I, I agree that that works too. Like, there's a lot of options. Either way. Good for Josh Allen. Now we just need the Bills to, you know, not kind of flame out a little bit as well. So we need them to stay strong and Josh Allen quit turning the ball over in the red zone. You're incredible everywhere else, but last year those red zone turnovers were terrible. And then and then get used to playing in the snow because some guys like Isaiah McKenzie were saying that's no game they would have won if it wasn't snowing in Cincinnati. Well, you play in Buffalo. You don't get that excuse. That is unacceptable. Yeah, so no. be ready for the snow. Get cooking. Like you've been the you've been a favorite the last two years. Maybe the man covers just what that doctor ordered, and that's asked backwards from what it's been the last fifteen years or so. But we'll definitely keep an eye on that. But that'll do it here for our main event. That's gonna lead us now to Kelsey's favorite part of every show, and that is crunch time. And crunch time, of course, brought to you by our good friends over at Outlier. Go to outlier.bet backslash high low sports. Speaking of sports betting, we talked about earlier, Outlier will help you best smarter, not harder. And you know, get back some of that hard-earned money you're willing to put in as well to following all the different trends as well. And Kelsey, you got something interesting. We had a big story here in the world of sports, and uh, this one you're kind of ready to take away here is the PGA absorbing live golf as well as the world DP World Tour as well. Yeah, so it's very interesting that, you know, really the DP World Tour to me, that's kind of secondary to everything else here. Live golf, you talk about recouping the money you lost. Uh, PGA Tour here going. Now, if you guys don't know the whole story, PGA Tour is absorbing DP Tour and live golf. With that comes the caveat that the PGA golf name will remain a, a 501c, which means a nonprofit organization, to as an organizing body for this unnamed new tour what they're making now with all the guys from Live Golf, all the guys from the PGA Tour, and all the DP World Tour people as well. Making an I don't know what's about to happen, but 
something crazy is about to happen because there's been fights between Rory and all the Live Golf guys. There's been fights between Phil Mickelson and all the PGA Tour guys, so much so that at the Masters, there were dudes sitting there saying that Phil was eating by himself at a table far away from everybody else. There were a couple other Live Golf guys that were just by themselves in corners, not really communicating with any of the other guys, any of the guys that used to communicate with in the PGA Tour. Uh, somebody supposedly flipped somebody else off at the the, the um, driving range during the Masters. I, at this point, in time, I don't know. I don't know what to think with this, with the with Live Golf being absorbed by the PGA. But all I know is it's about to make a whole lot of fun for next season's golf tournaments. And it's going to make a whole lot of money coming in, too, because evidently the investors, most of the investors are remaining going forward. So this new tournament, whatever whatever the new series they're coming out with, whatever it's going to be called, is going to be a high-money type of series. So be very interesting to see. They're going to still continue to play the Masters, still continue to play the Open, things like that. But they are going to have a much higher purse in a lot of these events. And that That's is what exactly every PGA Tour player wants to hear. What's really interesting too is technically there is still litigation going on between the parties as well too. Yeah. Is uh, yeah. the player like the the live sued the PGA Tour and the PGA Tour countersued after the PGA basically the live the ones who went to join live were forced to resign. So it's countersuit litigation technically still continuing. Rumor is this deal will uh, put an end to that as well too. Like that's part of the deal is getting rid of that. But there's a lot of I don't want to say backlash because that makes it sound like you know what I mean. Like there's just a lot of questions. I guess is how we'll word there, it as well. There's a, no, there's a lot of backlash because you, you got a whole. So okay, questions, like backlash, in, concerns, qualms, trepidations. Yeah. You can. There's a lot of adjectives here. Like so, if you look at if you look at Twitter, especially golf Twitter lately, um, it's very entertaining because a lot of people that were in the pro PGA Tour uh, corner are now saying that the PGA Tour is so, is a sellout. It's you know. Basically, it has left its players out to hang out to dry, as they had said all these negative things. They had banned, completely banned live players at one point in time before the season started. And then when too many started bailing out for the live golf tournament, then they were like, oh, we'll make exceptions for certain tournaments. You had the live golf guys who were literally living up life without all these strict rules of the PGA Tour. If you guys don't know PGA Tour, it's a golf game, a gentleman's game, if you will. It still has a lot of the old school gentleman rules that are frustrating as all get out for any person born in the 21st century. Um, so, you know, you you have these guys actually wearing, wearing shorts, wearing fun color T-shirts, you know, uh, you know, polos, getting to use cool colored shoes, you know, having a team aspect to it. That was a really cool thing about Live Golf. You wonder if that's going to continue over into the PGA. Um, and it wasn't boring like the Ryder Cup. Like, I'm sorry, at this point in time, I don't care who goes to the Ryder Cup. It's all boring to me. At this point, you play strokes game. You play skins games. You don't even play actually like strokes, so it's just all frustrating. But it'll be interesting to see how it happens next year. How they can take what live golf was revolutionizing and turn it and adapt it into the, what the PGA already brings. Uh, I'm, I'm interested to see how that goes. And for those of you that aren't quite as like on paper, from what we've all discussed, it sounds like hey, this should be good and great. What's the problem? Well, some of the backlash comes from critics of live golf are kind of saying that it was an attempt by the Saudi government to distract attention from human rights records, that sort of thing as well to a lot of questionable areas going with that. Then they, of course, live supporters said the PJ was a monopoly, use strong arm tactics, protecting its big time position, like yelling. You, he did this, he did that. Like there's a lot of back and forth with that as well too. So there's you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. So that's part of the reason there's basically both sides are pissed. That's how this one kind of turned out with the uproar there. So Something we'll keep an eye on for, and good for the golfers because they're probably going to get a whole lot of money from that. There's a whole lot of money coming in. Yeah, no, it'll be very interesting to see. So, mm -hmm. but yeah. moving, moving on. Yeah, absolutely. PJ? We're going to talk a little bit about, we're going to stay in crunch time here. We're going to talk a little bit about, we're going to go a little off the cuff, if you will, as well, too. And there's been a lot of talk about Mark Zuckerberg. We all know Mark Zuckerberg from Facebook slash Meta, all of that fun. He competes in jujitsu for fun, like on the side. That's one of his hobbies as well, too. He's been doing it for a while. Well, he's actually competing in jiu-jitsu tournaments, and the rumor that's come out recently is that he was actually choked unconscious. Like, he went unconscious and was snoring, is what they were saying. To which I say, A, if that's the case, like we can make fun of Mark Zuckerberg for a lot of reasons. We could tease him, go back and forth, etc. That's not really necessarily one of them. People do that. That happens in jiu-jitsu all the time. That actually almost makes him look more gangster, because instead of tapping, he went out the hard way, or he kept fighting until basically ran out of oxygen. That's kind of gangster in the fight world, if he did that, for one. For two... Everyone gets beat up in jujitsu. Everybody gets choked around and gets their arms pulled in leagues. Like anyone who's participating, they know you don't win every time. You get your butt whooped, especially when they have the geese like he practices in. Because all it takes is one random twist to the collar and you're suddenly gasping for air. There's a lot that goes into that. So the people making fun of him for that, they can just chill. 
for those of you, that, if you want to make fun of him for a lot of reasons, there's like 9,999 other ones you can, but that's where we probably should draw the line is him competing in a, in a sport like that. And more or less making fun of him for maybe fun of for allegedly being choked out. Like, I don't know if it did happen or not. And of course it is a representation saying that didn't happen because no one wants to be, no one wants to be the guy that got choked out. But those who are using that as a point to attack him, or I dare them to slap on a gi and give it a try. Yeah, that's just stupid. Like, come on, man. Let this guy let this guy have his moment. Uh, you know, I, 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 I'm glad you said he looks a little more G um, by, by actually going out the hard way, if you will. Because like that, when I first heard, when you first told me that, I was like, wait, what? Mark Zuckerberg was was actually like in a fight and he got knocked and he got choked out. Like, timeout. That's not like getting cold cocked by like Dallas Goddard in a bar in South Dakota. Like that is actually pretty dope. Like I'm not gonna make fun of you for that. That's like good on you, kid. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like in any sport, like everybody loses once, at least once. Like you don't, you're never undefeated. Nobody's gonna be Floyd Mayweather, and even Floyd Mayweather isn't undefeated. If you know, you know because Floyd Mayweather Senior made sure his son was defeated in an amateur boxing match by himself, but doesn't count. Multiple, multiple times too, plus the Olympics, plus in the gym, you get beat up all the time. Like nobody, nobody's undefeated in the gym. That never happens. Otherwise you've got a real crappy gym. That's no one goes truly undefeated like that. And jujitsu is the same way. He's a, at best, he's a rookie at it. I mean, it's not like he's been doing this for 30 years. Like it's, it's a hobby for him. And he actually had the cojones to step up and do this. So for everything else we can make fun of Mark Zuckerberg for, this one should stay off the table as well, too. Until someone else wants to slap on a gi and jump in there and try it themselves. Let's see. Uh, and by the way, you're not allowed to tap out if you do because you're making fun of them for snoring. So if you get caught in a choke, you get to snore, too. Hey, I snore every night. So you know what? More respect to Mark Zuckerberg for snoring. You don't, you don't have to tell uh, by anybody. At least, by at least being knocked out. Like yeah, by at least being knocked out like a man and then start snoring. At least, you know, he didn't just zonk out like a normal person and start snoring. Absolutely, as well, too. It's definitely can't make fun of him for that as well, too. And We've talked a lot about today, and I'm going to go ahead and round this out here really quickly. I just have just a few quick words to say. We, we're we always fun in games here. We have a good time, everything like that as well, too. We're, we we joke, we kid, we very sarcastic, very snarky, but I do want to just take a moment to anybody who's out there listening as well, too. Take the time in your life, the ones you care about, the ones you love. Talk to them, listen to them, understand their feelings, treat, figure out what they need. You never know in your last hug, your last your last handshake, your last anything with someone could be their last as well, too. For one reason or another, always spend time with them, understand what they need, and treat them the way they deserve to be treated. It's it's hard to ask for forgiveness. It's always easier to do it early on than to do it later. So there's a lot you can do there. So just always treat the ones you love, uh, treat treat them right as well, too. You never you never want to look back on things with regret. Just always always be sure to talk to them. Make sure to know how they're feeling. Make, go out of your way to make sure that go out of your way to make sure that they're okay. I was just Wanted to get that one out there for everybody as well, too. Just want to take a nice, somber moment for us. Uh, it's uh, important words right now. I know everybody's going through a lot, and you never know what everybody else is going through. Um, so, DJ, I wholeheartedly agree with you. Um, so, DJ, for you, normally you're the one that rounds us out, but I'll let you, let you have a moment for yourself here. Uh, after that, that is strong words there. So, ladies and gentlemen, we appreciate it, as always, for you guys tuning in. And until next time, we will see you guys later. <laughs>